It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Your source for big and talk. It's off tackle. Empire! Welcome to Overlord Week on Off Tackle Empire, uh, the only Big Ten blog that matters, and therefore uh, yet another Ohio State blog in the grand scheme of things. Bend the knee and be subservient and all shall be pleased in the results of the one true team in the conference. The team, again, for whom all the rest of us had to drag our sorry asses out on the field last season in the middle of a global pandemic. We made it happen, though. We got the Ohio State Buckeyes to the playoff. Good job, everyone. Give yourselves a round of applause. Well, you know, we also, let's not be too hasty here. We got one other very important thing accomplished. We got Lovey Smith fired. I was going to say Michigan State beat Northwestern and Michigan in the same season. <laughs> that was very important and hilarious, and I'm glad that it happened. It is Ohio State week, which means, as per usual, we're at the end of the previews, previewing the by far best team, and we got to find a way to get through this without just giving up hope altogether and, and turning off our laptops mid-broadcast. Look, I'm better at this than you are, but... This year, it's going to be tough. Here's the only thing that really matters for not Ohio State fans in the Big Ten. It's been, this is going to be the third season now um, since they lost a conference game. Will they this year? Oh boy. Um, Conference game, dubious. Um, I am looking at that week two game with Oregon as like a maybe... But uh, conference, boy. Um, it's kind of like how we talk about Clemson and them. I think it was like 2017, the last time they lost a conference game or something like that. Yeah. And it just makes you think, like, what is the point of ACC football now? Right. Well, Ohio State's not too far behind them. Yeah. Well, you know, we can go out of order a little bit here and talk about the schedule. I'm looking at it right now. And I know the, I know the two else, game. Because I know, if we don't go out of order here, what we're going to go through is just we're we're going to we're going to go through basically just you know one deep two deep three deep and it's all guys that could start for your school. So, first let's talk about again, the only question that you really care about if you're not an Ohio State fan, can they lose a conference game this year? Is it possible? I think it is. I think it is and I'm not, that that's not me claiming that it's now just watch. Like even before we broadcast this, like Ohio State's uh search engines and algorithms are seeking out the sound of my voice right now in response to your question, can Ohio State lose? And they're identifying my this verbal pattern, and that's being printed out and, and blown up into bulletin board material because God knows they have to find some way to keep these guys motivated before they all go to the NFL. So if that's what, look, if this is what it takes, again, Buckeye fans, you're welcome. I'm glad to be of service. All I ask is that when two of your former top 50 quarterbacks wash out because they can't all start, maybe you send one of them, uh, maybe you send one of them up, up 23, I guess? No, up, it'd be 75. Um, send them up 75 and then you make a left at, at 69 and you send them right to East Lansing for me, please. Um, because I ain't, I ain't above sliding in the DMs of a couple of Ohio State washouts that would dramatically improve our talent level. So 
To get to your question, Steve, is it possible for Ohio State to lose a conference game? Yes, because they have probably their two toughest conference games in back-to-back weeks. At Indiana, Saturday, October 23rd, versus Penn State, Saturday, October 30th. I wouldn't think it's likely for them to lose either of those games. I'd probably put the odds at less than 20% of losing either of them. But it is their two toughest games on paper in back-to-back weeks. Um, although I will say that Indiana game does come after a bye. So if they have any... Yeah, it's nice that they get Rutgers and Maryland and then a bye and then Indiana and then they get Penn State at home. Well, no, you know what this is. is So going into the season, they have their first real quarterback derby controversy in years. Um, I haven't followed up in the last couple of days since it was announced that the best quarterback recruit since Trevor Lawrence is Shane is coming to school early. So now you have four blue chip prospects. Well, I, I was going to say like... That camp battle really must have been going shitty as far as well, Ohio State's concerned. I get that you're being cute, but no, actually, it was this kid, Quinn Ewers, deciding, why the fuck am I waiting to get to get my damn money? Let me go and take advantage yeah. of NIL, get the hell out of Texas high school football where I can't make any money, and yeah, I can get myself to campus and get in on this because the other thing is, if he waits until next year, they'll have an established starter with at least one more year to play. So again... Why is he waiting? He goes, he gets his NIL. If he doesn't win the competition, I'm out. Any other school in the country will take me. So, anyway. I don't know. I mean, if Oklahoma misses the playoffs, maybe Spencer Rattler transfers to Ohio State like Trey Sermon. <laughs> well, they're not going to miss the... Okay, oh, No, I was going to say they're not going to miss the playoffs because they're in the SEC. That won't be until next year. Um, but Spencer Rattler's not going to transfer because after this year, he's going to go in the NFL draft and be a top 10 pick. So... I don't think he's going to pass on the on a top 10 NFL position to play for Ohio State for a year. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. It, it depends. It depends on whether or not he's going to, to, to pull a Darnold there. Dude, it is impossible to keep you on track. And be like, you, I you are, you do are, not you want to play such, for the Lions. You are in such a damn doom spiral. Well, yeah, and then Darnold had to play for the Jets, so that's what he gets. Um, <laughs> you are in such an impossible doom spiral for Ohio State. you got to stay on task here. So, again, to get back to your actual question, yes, they can lose a conference game this year. No, it's not especially likely. But the way this schedule shakes out... Because they've, I mean, really, they're they have they're actually replacing a pretty good amount from last year. And I know they're so talented; it's not likely to actually matter. We'll get into the, that in a little bit of an X's and O's thing in a second here. But since we're doing the schedule first, as we mentioned, they've got um, Oregon as their highlight game in the non-conference. They do open the season with a trip to Minnesota on a Thursday night. That's kind of weird. Maybe your quarterback throws five interceptions and you still win by twenty. Uh, <laughs> And then there are the two non-conference games, home matches with Tulsa and Akron, not likely to be an issue. First two weeks of October, they go to Rutgers, they host Maryland, and then they've got this bye. The timing of that bye is especially fortuitous because if they're having some second thoughts about whoever their choice is at quarterback, that's a decent spot to make a switch. Um, that's not to say that they will. Again, so the thought, as I understand it, is still that, and this is, so we'll transition now into... Um, talking X's and O's and depth chart things. The thought at quarterback is that C.J. Stroud probably has the inside track. He's the only guy who's taken any real game snaps. He's looked pretty good. They've got, obviously, a ton of talent behind him. Um, His classmate, Jack Miller, seems to be running behind the rest of them. Kyle McCord is a true freshman of the 21 class who was a five-star all-world recruit. And then also, like I said, Quinn Ewers, who until a week or so ago... Well, two weeks, two, three weeks ago by the time this thing airs, 
um, was going to be a, a recruit in the 2022 class, and the best quarterback in that group has reclassified. And now he's in Columbus, too. Uh, incredibly talented, but even for a guy like that, I would find it hard to believe that he's going to come in and take over the starter spot less than a month before the season starts. So that's obviously the most high-profile battle. But there are other spots to be solidified here. Um, they lose a couple of very good offensive linemen in uh, Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers. It seems as though they've pretty much got their replacements already sorted out. Um, Thayer Munford is going to be back at left tackle, who certainly would have been at least a mid-round pick last year. Um, they're going with Nicholas petit Frere at right tackle, two extremely talented bookends. Paris Johnson is supposed to be the new right guard. So what kind of remains is to sort out who's playing center, who's playing left guard. And again, boatloads of talent available there, but they are going to have new guys and they're going to have new guys next to each other. So maybe for the first couple of weeks, that interior of the offensive line is not as strong as it has been recently. Um, running back, we had Trey Sermon come in, was kind of decent as regular season went on and then used an incredible postseason you know, fantastically productive handful of games to go off to the NFL himself. And so now you've got Master Teague back, and you've got, as you would guess, a number of extremely talented freshmen um, in terms of another one of when is this guy going to be gone type names to know for Ohio State. That would be Travion Henderson. Um, Teague is no slouch, but Henderson is eventually going to be the guy. The question is just when. Yeah, it... I mean, I'm seeing it going like this, just that, you know, Teague gets the majority of the carries until he has his first fumble, and then they just give it all to Henderson. I don't know about giving it all to Henderson, because this is a very deep group, and they've, with the exception of Dobbins, who was head and, tail, head and shoulders above the rest of the running back room, they've shown a little bit of a tendency to share the ball. Um, they've also been, you've been hearing some rave camp reviews about Mayan Williams, a kid from Cincinnati who was fairly lowly regarded, especially for an Ohio State regroup, but is still probably going to be part of the picture there. Um, but yeah, you'd expect some combination of uh, Teague and Henderson to take most of the carries and then Williams contributing in some way. It's also not clear to what extent their quarterback is still going to be a big part of the run game. I couldn't tell you necessarily what is expected from that. These guys are all excellent athletes. Are they going to be the same kind of running threat that Justin Fields was? Very unlikely. So it could be a little bit more of a traditional run game. And, of course, we've, we've kind of buried the lead here in that they've got two for likely first-round wide receivers next year and Chris Olave. Why didn't he go pro? Well, I don't know. He's being mocked as like a top-five pick now. So I guess that makes sense. And uh, Garrett Wilson. And those guys are really just the guys right now and then the wide receiver talent they have stockpiled behind them is absolutely disgusting so hope you're recruiting excellent defensive backs the rest of the conference because they're never going to not have a fistful of top 100 recruits at receiver so stock up because it's not going to get better anytime soon i wonder at what point you use kind of a, a a strategy where you just kind of concede the touchdown from the very beginning and then you wear out their defense well, funny you should say that, because if there is a vulnerability here, it's going to be in shootout types of games. Stopping this offense, if their quarterback is, whoever he is, is any good at all, is going to be really hard. But the defense could be considerably more vulnerable. They have big turnover at all three levels, especially at linebacker, 
where all four guys who played substantial snaps, not just last year, but over the last couple of years, are gone now. So it's an entirely new group of linebackers or, you know, upperclassmen who barely played. Um, they do they lose Sean Wade, who underwhelmed a little bit relative to expectations, but was still a very talented corner. So the secondary has more experience than the linebackers, but still not any proven star power. Williamson at safety is the name you're going to hear there a lot. Again, plenty of talent, but nothing proven. Defensive line is probably the relative strength of the defense, but they're losing a couple guys there. Um, Tommy Togiai really came on. He's gone. Um, they had Jonathan Cooper, who bloomed a bit late as a pass rusher. He's gone. So, I mean, all they've got now to rely on is, you know, guys like Jack Sawyer, who's, again, again top 10 Uber recruit. And, um, yeah, plenty of talent, again. Bad shape but, there. Well, what, I mean, honestly, the point <laughs> is, though, for all the talent they have, um, and, again, the defensive ends in particular with Sawyer and Zach Harrison, they're going to be wrecking shit pretty soon. Well, but, no, I mean, and with linebackers, you know, they're – Replacing guys that Ohio State fans have been screaming to get benched for years. Yeah, and it's look, it's fair to say that relative Tough Borland, who of course is like Chris Borland, but if Chris Borland were tough, and by tough I mean slow. I mean T U F. Um, well, yeah. So the linebacker group, it, it, that's the thing, right? Is even when you look at what on paper for most teams would be a major issue, losing the four linebackers who have played the most. It could well be said that, well, this group has underperformed a little bit. So might they end up not being better in the long term than they were? Yeah, that's possible. But look, I'm trying to be a glass half full guy here more often because pessimism is the way to a shorter, more miserable existence. Over the course of this podcast, uh, one of my hound dogs has gone from laying on my feet to standing on Andrew. She appears to be desperately trying to slap the disrespect for the Buckeyes defense out of me. Moon, believe me, I will be... I will be corrected soon enough. Of that, I have no doubt. So, enough talk about that presumptive conference champion, undefeated, you know, playoff contender. Look, um, if you want, if you want, well, how does Ohio State stack up against, against Clemson and Alabama? You can literally turn on ESPN right now. 24-7. You've missed three months of them talking about that already, and they're going to spend the next three weeks until the season starts. Uh, and then also, and then also, we'll continue to talk about that very matchup during your team's game. Yeah. So, and in fact, they're actually talking a lot more about it now because the how good of an, a Jeopardy host will Aaron Rodgers be and how good will he be on the Broncos storylines that they had all summer to report on, uh, in fact, went nowhere. I do got to say, I, I thought Rodgers was probably in, like, the bottom quartile of the Jeopardy guest host. Apparently, they're just going to make the executive producer. Like, isn't the guy, I think Richard's the guy who sounds like the front runner, is, like, the guy who's running the search for them, isn't he? So he's, <laughs> so he's like... I think so. And so it gave me, like, a big, like, Dick Cheney vibe where they picked him, like, hey, pick George W. Bush's vice president. And he's like, oh, after extensive consideration, I've decided... The best candidate for this is is me. I'm doing it. So give me the job and and the power. And you know, again, if you if you've got the opportunity to call your own number, why wouldn't you? Um, well, it's just that is a thing I just can't believe actually happened. Was that big parts of respectable sports media really believed, truly believed that it was a done deal that Aaron Rodgers was going to retire from football to host Jeopardy full time, dude? There. It was never. I, I don't think. I wonder sometimes in situations like that if the if the guys writing those stories and just and letting those words fall out of their mouths in radio and talk show segments 
actually believe that or if they just know like Click machine, go burr, man. Yeah, I think. Um, I like, think. Was, I don't think Adam Schefter ever believed half of the stuff. No. Of yeah, I think it's. I think it's a click machine, go burr situation. But anyway, with that dead and buried, now it's how does Ohio State stack up against Clemson in this game? That, by the way, is going to be on our channel in like four months. Now you don't have to watch all these games that aren't on our channels, like all the ones Ohio State plays. Just watch the ones that that, that, that we're going to have on our channel that are at the end of the season. Yeah, man. The good news is... We'll handicap them for you throughout the year. Sooner or later, I think a larger audience is going to get fed up with these entirely national brand-driven media broadcasts and narratives, and then then they're going to come crawling on back to the likes of Off-Tuckle Empire, man. We just got to bide our time, continue talking about teams the national media doesn't give a shit about, most of them, and sooner or later, everything's coming up Off-Tuckle Empire. Um... I don't have a great segue for this, but it's time to talk about basketball. And Ohio State's entire season, to me, is defined by stepping on a mouth bob-shaped Lego in the tournament. They actually had a decent year up to that point. Made their way into a two-seed, which, by the way, if you want further proof of the strength of the Big Ten last year, Ohio State, two-seed in the NCAA tournament with a 12-8 conference record. Yeah, Um, Ohio State was a team that... Uh, a couple of losses in March took them out of the regular season title running. Um, I mean, mathematically did. Nobody was going to catch Michigan since they didn't have to make up all those games. But uh, then Ohio State went on to the Big Ten tournament final. So this was a team that, in in both of those contests, was was right there at the door. You know, saying like they they absolutely belonged in this. I mean, more so than Iowa, right? They they got closer than Iowa did. Hell yeah. Um, but again, they also did lose in the first round. And then they deal with kind of the unexpected departure of Dwayne Washington, who I guess supposedly had his stock blow up and then went undrafted. So he signed a two-way deal with the Pacers. They also had C.J. Walker, their backup slash sometimes starter point guard leave as well. So it's a roster that returns a pretty good amount. They're going to have to work out a new point guard situation. And they're also going to have to work out these issues of defensive lapses that really cost them some things um, over the course of the year. So, again, they had the number four offense per Ken Palm in the country last year. They get to a two seed, and then um, their defense is such a mess that a team that basically had two players, Asmus and Obinor, uh, good players, don't get me wrong, uh, were able to upset them in the first round. So... They've got to they've got to replace their point guard situation. That's a question with a more straightforward answer. They went out, hit the transfer market, had to do it pretty late because it wasn't clear that Washington was going to stay in. I think most people probably expected him to come back to Ohio State. He ends up staying in the draft, so a lot of the best point guard options are already gone. Again, you know, Michigan went and grabbed a point guard, um, Devontae Jones from Coastal Carolina. Michigan State got their guy from Northeastern, Tyson Walker. Um, lots of other teams played the point guard carousel. Ohio State gets in kind of late. They still get a pretty good guy, though, in my mind, in Cedric Russell from Louisiana. Um, Not a guy who's likely to score nearly as much as Washington did, but there was sometimes a little bit of a downside to how much Washington scored, which is that he vacuumed up a lot of shots. It was not always super efficient. Well, not to mention when, you know, that's kind of how your offense has to operate. You saw in a situation where towards the end of the mouth bob game, he wasn't hitting him um, for stretches, and... And of course, you know it's not. He he had a good game, but there were crucial stretches of that game late where he just wasn't hitting open shots. 
Yeah. And, but you got to keep going to them because and, and it's been your best option all year. And from a mental makeup perspective, it's going to be interesting to see if Ohio State pivots a little bit here because there were definitely some some locking up in the clutch moments from Washington and also from EJ Liddell. Who yeah, I the know, overtime kinda, was yeah. a particularly big problem for Liddell missing several bunnies up there so yeah and they like they have Liddell back he's probably going to be a first team preseason all-conference guy um well that's gonna be tough isn't it because there's um there's Coburn there's Dickinson and there's Liddell Travion Williams like how do you work out a preseason front court in the Big Ten this offseason man it's gonna be well it's 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 gonna be interesting how how that all shakes out because of course we're not in college basketball in the positionless basketball era yet, but the NBA has been doing things where they just have, as opposed to having prescribed positions for the all-star game, they just have like, you know, two front court player. Yeah. 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 They've been kicking around the idea of just all players. No positions. Yeah, but well, because I mean, honestly, they've got it subdivided into front court, back court, right? What now. what position does Giannis Antetokounmpo play? <laughs> Large guy. Large guy, but also ball guy. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Point center. <laughs> point center, or also power forward, depending on. Do you look at the defensive matchup or what he's doing offensively? Yeah. Um, anyway, shooting we're, center forward. We're <laughs> shooting small center forward power. Um, <laughs> although I don't think there's anything about him that you could ever call him small, but anyway, uh, we're, we're way off track here, but so you've got Russell stepping into what should be Washington sized minutes, but probably not a Washington size. Well, that's a stretch. I don't think he's going to play 30 or 35 minutes a game, but if he can be 80% of Washington as a facilitator, you still have Liddell and justice suing. You're adding a top 30 player in Malachi Branham. Um, Michi Johnson was a guy who showed up early and didn't really look ready to go, but he got in games a little bit. So they've got these guys that can serve as their centerpieces, Liddell and Suing and Branham, probably to a lesser extent this year, but more so next. They've also got an interesting... They've really got one of the better supporting casts in the conference, I think. Um, they're getting uh, their extra season for Kyle Young, the all-time garbage man, blue guy, one of my favorite players of the last several years. A guy who they missed very badly when he got hurt. Um, they still have a three-point specialist in Justin Arns, and they brought in a couple of defensive-minded guys, I think, again, recognizing they had some issues there. So they bring in Joey Brunk from Indiana, who missed all last year with a back injury, so who knows what you get out of him. And also Jamari Wheeler from Penn State, a guy who gives them a capable on-ball defender, guy who's going to get you a couple steals, you know, pick six layup types things a game. Um, so the supporting cast around these main players, you know, Liddell and Suing in particular, is very good. And should take some maybe of the mental pressure off of them, you know, where you can rely on other guys to do a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it, that being said, I wonder, I wonder how much Holtman has to do here to kind of reestablish himself. I, I don't know that. P, I mean, this year it might be the case where Ohio State is thought of as a conference front runner, but to me, it's really Michigan and Purdue, and then everybody else this season. Um, does Ohio State kind of reestablish themselves and remind us, you know, hey, first two-thirds of last season, we were damn good. And then, again, the young injury was a big problem. Um, and they ran into some teams the back end of the schedule who, frankly, were just tough matchups because it's going to happen in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of other teams rushing to fill that, that uh, not really gap, but close up to those, those two front runners, um, you know, some of which are going to have. I mean, I think... 
I think Illinois can be there. I think Ohio State has the talent to be there. Um, and I think if you're going to talk about a real dark horse right now, Indiana is totally out of question. No, it's not totally out of the question because, as we talked about when we were talking about Northwestern, <laughs> just as I think Minnesota and Penn State will take a step from the middle of the conference down towards the bottom, I wonder what we're going to see out of Iowa. I wonder what we're going to see, frankly, out of Maryland this year, although they did get Ayala back. They did lose Wiggins. Um, so, yeah, I, I, would ex- I would think that in, that terms, in terms of that next tier of challengers, I would think Ohio State, Indiana, and Maryland are probably the three that are going to be in best position to challenge the Michigan and Purdue combo at the top. I would love to say Michigan State's going to get back in, but really, I have no idea. Like, I don't know who our best player is going to be. We have a lot of individual talent, but I don't know who their best player is at all. So it's going to be an interesting season in Big Ten basketball once again. Um, I think it could be one. I think that I think this season we could see the biggest change in the standings from last year um, on a year-to-year basis than we've seen recently. I think there could be much more of a shakeup than we've had recently, and that can that can't be anything but good for the conference. Getting new fan bases a chance to sample success or to eat a little bit of humble pie, as I thankfully got to do last year. I just twenty twenty was a year full of blessings. Uh, <laughs> so. I can't wait for the college basketball season to start. I mean, my only hesitance is I'm so looking forward to college football that I almost don't want to think about basketball just yet. Um, and in that way, I am truly Ohio State fan. <laughs> Indeed you are. I do want to, as great an ending as that would have been, I want to circle back to another thing. If Ohio State... That was a perfect ending. This better be good. <laughs> if Ohio State doesn't end up being in that challenging tier... How much longer do you think Chris Holtman's going to have? I think he's fine. Because um, we brought I this up before. We've brought up his hot seat status. Not, I think re- he's, not really, but his potential future hot seat status. Yeah, I, I think the only thing that would make me change my opinion on him being fine would be if they face plant in the tournament again. Um, now, that being said, I don't have a great sense of what Ohio State fans want or demand from their basketball program with football. I mean, like... <laughs> I can't imagine that many Ohio State fans are paying much attention to the non-conference, for example, in basketball, because that's still football season. Like, that's what's go win stuff season in football. So if you tune in in January and the team looks good, it's like, oh, okay, cool. And then if they end up, you know, kind of bad down the season, down the, down the season stretch, I don't know, I mean, we're good in football. Like, I mean, of course, right these days you got, what, that last couple of weeks in November – that's when Ohio State's still playing preseason games that don't matter, like you know Michigan, Penn State, um, Michigan State, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know fifty point first half preseason games. Yeah, that is something we kind of glossed over, which is depending on how Michigan's season goes on on the gridiron this year, Ohio State could have a chance to land a finishing blow after being deprived of the chance to play them. Last year, when Ryan Day expressed his interest in hanging a hundred on the Wolverines, so if Michigan comes in that game at like six and five or seven and four, you mean to tell me that Ohio State's not going to try to make that happen? If I'm a Michigan fan, and what ends up happening is that that gets that <laughs> is that that game um, sees Ohio State come out with a weirdly conservative brand of offense and win by like one point. I'm just going to run into (laughs) I-75. 
Uh, That's the only thing that they could do that would be crueler than hanging a hundred on the Wolverines. Yeah, again, they, they go the Colts route and they beat you with Jim Sorge. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you're not laughing, you're crying. Your source for Big Ken Kong. It's off tackle. Empire!